That is the song Smile by McFly. This is Stacy Julian with episode 81 of Exactly Enough Time. You might think from its title, this is a podcast about productivity. And while I love to rock a day and get stuff done, exactly enough time is much more about being present. It's about recognizing the time you have and making the most of it. It's about choosing to be playful and living with intention, curiosity, and connection. It's about owning what you love and bringing more of whatever that is into your life. In this podcast, I tell stories, and today I answer some personal questions. Thanks for listening. Let's go. So, McFly. They're an English pop rock band formed in London in 2003, and they had pretty quick success such that their album, Room on the Third Floor, debuted at number one in the UK album chart, this was 2005, leading them to become known as the youngest band ever to have an album debut at number one. This is a title taken from the Beatles. What? Okay, so have you ever heard of McFly? If not, look them up. I happen to really love that song, Smile. It's got a great message. A message that I think has something to do with today's episode because I believe in smiling even when you maybe don't feel like it. Today, I get to answer questions that you submitted to me, personal questions. So back in episode 77, the whole idea was that I would do a Q&A episode. And thankfully, you submitted enough questions that I have content for two episodes. Episode 77, the one where I answer your memory-keeping questions. And now, episode 81, the one where I answer personal questions. And by the way, that's the sound of someone getting the answer correct. I think that's going to serve me well. Here we go. First up, from Janie via Instagram. Besides marriage and birth slash adoption of your kids, what is your best memory? Oh my goodness. Okay, so Janie, best is like such a challenging superlative. I don't know. I I just can't stick to best, but I will tell you... A few of my very, very super awesome memories. (laughs) How's that? So first up, taking my dad with me to South Africa. So I was invited in 2005 by Glenda Villune to come and be part of her amazing scrapbooking event. And then I was invited back in 2008. 
And this time, Glenda said I could bring someone with me. And I chose to bring my dad, who is a veterinarian by trade and a lover of all kinds of animals, particularly wild animals. And so to have him travel with me to South Africa and to go on several game drives and just watch him watch the animals was truly a highlight for me. And likewise, on another trip, this time to London, I was able to bring my mom. Both trips were scrapbooking trips. So thank you to wonderful, generous people who have invited me over the years. But watching, again, my mom in London because it's so much it represents or makes available so many of the things that she has loved and shared with me over her lifetime. English literature and musicals. We saw Mary Poppins together and just being in a place with so much rich history. It truly was one of my highlights. And second to those experiences, I have just loved watching my children do what they are so good at. And I could take up the whole episode talking about that. But in particular, my son Trey has some natural gifts for performance. And so watching him on stage sing and dance and do what he does so well is an absolute thrill for me. Great question. Thank you. This question is from Scrappy Heike on Instagram. What is your favorite present with photos you have received? (gasps) Okay, wow. At first I thought, wait, I'm not sure I've received any photo gifts. I'm kind of the photo gift giver. Oh no, mom's got another scrapbook for me. But I pondered and then I realized my answer. So my favorite photo gifts are those that I have found while doing family history research. So when I log into Ancestry or Family Search in particular, and I discover a new photo of someone that is related to me, an ancestor. The first time, for example, that I saw a photo of my grandmother's mother, who who is Adelaide. So my grandma Addie was named after Adelaide, and now my daughter is named after Addie. And so... That was just such a gift. And likewise, so many photos that my father-in-law, unfortunately, (laughs) cut up. Thanks for that. Don't cut up your one-of-a-kind pictures. But he did preserve them, pasted them in notebooks. And there are so many photos that give me a glimpse of grandparents and great-grandparents and just slivers of everyday life. Um, Photos of Jeff's mother who passed away just after we were married. So pictures of her as a little girl, pictures of her with her father, who passed away when she was five, and photos of my grandparents, who, like one summer, my grandpa took a job at a new school, and so they lived in this little town of Walsburg, and there was no place to live, so they camped. They just lived outside. I mean, this is back in the early 40s, but I'm like, who does that? I mean, that's so interesting to me. So I have pictures of them, you know, in their tent and pictures of him shaving outside, looking into a mirror that's that's nailed to a tree. 
So those are the photo gifts that I think I probably cherish the most. So that comes with encouragement for you to share online any one-of-a-kind photos that you have because you'll be giving gifts to other people who would also be interested in those photos. And guess what? I got three questions all about homeschool for obvious reasons. The circumstances we find ourselves in, there are a lot of moms and children (laughs) and older children thinking about school at home. But Natalie asked me, when did you decide to homeschool Addie? Cindy said, are you going to continue to homeschool Addie in the fall? How's it going? And Julianne wants to know, why did you decide to homeschool Addie? Do you plan to continue through the 12th grade? So let's talk homeschool for a minute. First of all, I recorded episode 61 with my sister, Darcy, who has been homeschooling longer than I have. And so that's a fun episode to listen to if you haven't already. But I decided to homeschool Addie because she was not thriving in the school system and not to the fault of any teacher. Um, But we had pretty much tried everything for Addie, Um, continual IEPs and lots of intervention and resource help. And it was actually my sister Darcy that she started homeschooling and just was giving me glowing reports and reassuring me and telling me that I could in fact take this on and with great curriculum, um, you know, be successful. And I'll tell you what, I absolutely loved, not even kidding, loved homeschooling Addie last year. I loved the curriculum myself. I was surprised how little time it took. We, we scheduled ourselves, so we had longer days and shorter days. But even on a longer day, you know, we could get started about 9 in the morning and, and be done by probably 12.30. And we had days for field trips set aside. And I just absolutely, again, loved the opportunity to learn with her one-on-one. And she blossomed. It was so rewarding for both of us. I had plans absolutely to continue to homeschool Addie until earlier, just a few weeks ago uh, this summer, I learned about a group of my friends, um, women in my neighborhood and some who attend um, church with me are actually starting a very small private school. They are teaching the same curriculum, which is called The Good and the Beautiful, And they're doing it with just a small group of kids, 15 kids in each level. And I looked into what they were doing, attended several meetings, and decided that Addie and I are going to give this school a try, primarily because um, Addie's at that age where I really want to build her confidence. And it's difficult one-on-one to give her an opportunity to sort of stand up in the front of the classroom if you know what I mean. So we're going to give this private school a try. Um, We're committed for the first six months or this fall, and then we're going to reassess. And I'm excited, but at the same time, I feel honestly a little sad inside because I have loved the homeschool opportunity so much. So 
it's going to have to be a really <laughs> stellar experience. And I'm going to have to see, um, you know, progress made in the areas where I know Addie, you know, she needs that social interaction and she needs that opportunity to, to interact, to contribute, to collaborate with fellow students and, you know, and to learn to present. And if she can gain those things on top of the already amazing curriculum um, that we're learning together, then I think it will be a win-win. But I am eager at any moment to return to, um, to what we were doing last year. I truly enjoyed it so much. So I want to stop here for just a second and say thank you again for listening to Exactly Enough Time and for being my friend. I truly feel that that we're creating a connection here, a friendship. You're willing to listen to me week after week or when it makes sense for you. And I just appreciate the trust that that you have given me by asking me these personal questions. And I've been thinking about them for a few weeks now. And I just think it's a really, honestly, kind of special thing that that you value my thoughts and feelings, and I appreciate that so very much. I do not think that I have the right answers to questions all the time, for sure, but I just appreciate um, your interest and curiosity, and I'm super happy to share what I do, and um, with the caveat that that you um, that you trust yourself and and do the things that you know work for you, right? Isn't that isn't that the secret? Is that we learn, we're curious, we we ask lots of questions, and then we take what we learn and we make sure that um, we put our own spin on it. We adapt those things to ourselves so that we create our own answers in so many ways in life. So, just wanted to interject those thoughts before I go on. Next up is a whole series of questions from Debbie via Instagram all about podcasting. So number one, what's the most important lesson learned while podcasting? Well, I think I'm still learning it. But podcasting has taught me and forced me really to be imperfect. I, you know, because it's a weekly deadline and there are other things going on in my life and other content that I'm creating. And so for me to continue to show up and and create an episode week after week, I have to allow myself to just relish, <laughs> is a good word, imperfection. My notes are always incomplete. Um you know, I, I rarely meet my own expectations, but, but I've learned to adjust my expectations to something that my life coach calls a B minus. And I actually did an episode, um, almost a year ago about that. And it was titled, I think, I think I titled it, you know, getting a C plus in physics, but, but just, I've had to not worry too much about if it's going to be, if it's going to be right, if it's going to meet everyone's needs or whatever, I just have to show up and record an episode and consider it good and done. And that has been a huge lesson for me that it's okay to be that it's okay to be you in your unfinished, imperfect state. So, okay. 
Second podcasting question, also from Debbie, what is your funniest moment in podcasting? And I was like, hmm, funniest moment? I think, honestly, it was probably sitting down. Jeff was with me, and we were on a weekend getaway with really good friends, um, Randy and Diane Smith. And anytime, or I shouldn't say anytime, but often as I have traveled, I've just thought to myself, okay, how can I create a podcast episode out of this, right? And so I said to them, we're going to, we're going to, you know, meet up and have this fun weekend. um, But you guys are going to have to record a podcast with me. And so we sat down and had a conversation all about marriage. Um, Diane is actually a licensed marriage and family therapist. So I'm like, hello, take advantage of her expertise, right? And then the fact that we have years of shared experiences and memories, and we both married our spouses within six months of each other, and those stories are connected. So in episodes 35 and 37, you can learn more (laughs) about some of our um, advice and just thoughts around marriage. But sitting down with the Smiths was hilarious. And I'm not going to lie, editing those two episodes was so hard (laughs) because it was a lot of work. Um, But it was certainly a great time. So I, I guess I would have to say that my funniest moment was definitely was definitely spent with them reminiscing. Okay, here's one. What goals would you like to reach by episode 100? Probably because I was making such a big deal about episode 77, right? Being a Q&A episode. Um, thanks, Debbie. I don't know. <laughs> Um, I, I appreciate the opportunity, though, to think about this, and I think I'd like to create a trailer. Do you know what that is? Like some podcasts have just a little one or two minute message, I guess, that summarizes sort of, you know, the feel or the purpose, the intent of a podcast, which mine is all over the place. Come on. If you've been listening to me for a while, you know this, (laughs) but I still think it might be fun to create a trailer by the time episode 100 comes out. And maybe, I don't know, maybe I should tweak my intro. I mean, I do tweak it from time to time, but um, I could also invite listeners to take a survey. And, you know, maybe I should find out <laughs> more about what you what you love, what you want more of, what you want less of. The other thing that I think I would really love to achieve by episode 100 would be more reviews, you guys. <laughs> This is the hard part for me, asking for ratings and reviews, but specifically reviews. I think I have 80-something, and I would love to have 100 great reviews. Not 100 new reviews, but just let's bump it up a little bit. So if you listen week after week, or if you listen sometimes and you have heard something that you've enjoyed, I would love you to take a minute and go to iTunes and write me a review. Let's see if we can get Stacy more than 100 reviews by episode 100. That would be super awesome. Next question from Debbie about podcasting. What was the most emotional moment in podcasting so far? So definitely recording the episode with my friend Renee Pearson following the death of George Floyd. Um, Honestly, I get emotional anytime I set out to share or talk about something that I find personally challenging. Look, I'm going to cry just talking about it or very personal. So, um, you know, asking her, first of all, reaching out to her um, to see if she would come talk to me 
um, took a lot of courage. Uh, anytime I talk about faith or I share experiences where I have drawn personally on my faith, um, the story of Addie's adoption, those, those are the times when I feel most emotional and I am definitely an emotional person. So good question. Okay. Next up, Debbie wants to know, what is your greatest challenge in podcasting? Whoa. Okay. Honestly, (laughs) I'm being honest today. My greatest challenge is promoting. Okay. So that's crazy. I know, but I do not like to post to Instagram. I don't really want to tell people (laughs) about the fact that I have a podcast or tell them about my most recent episode. It's totally work that I need to do with my thoughts for sure. 100%. But as soon as I hit publish, I start to think of all the things that I could have done better. And I somehow believe that if I don't tell anybody... (laughs) about it, that I don't have to feel uncomfortable, right? For promoting something that might not be that good. Um, Unless, of course, and this is where it's super interesting, unless, of course, I'm interviewing or visiting with someone, if I have a guest, if I have a guest on my podcast, I'm totally willing to share because I always feel like they bring something super valuable to the table, right? So, The story that I tell myself is that I'm just making this little podcast for fun and it's not really something that I need to promote or monetize or commit to long term, Um, you know, and so far that story has worked for me. But I have been thinking about that story (laughs) that I might actually need to change it um, so that I will create the motivation to continue uh, long term, which is weird, huh? Um, But I totally believe in practicing imperfection, which I just talked about. Um, There would be exactly zero episodes of this podcast um, if I slowed down long enough to think about everything I'm not doing well enough. But definitely, Debbie, promotion is my greatest challenge. Debbie also wants to know, do you have any outtakes or bloopers? (laughs) I'm going to assume that Debbie knows the answer to that question, truly. Um, but of course, yes, um, totally. Yes. 100% do I have bloopers every single week. I, um, I don't generally keep them. I'm not really even sure how I would do that, but, um, I always say something dumb or silly or stupid, and then I just back up, delete it and re-record. So, and then finally, Debbie, she's so sweet. She said, do you know how much we appreciate you because we do? Wow. Thank you. I appreciate so much your questions. And those are good podcasting questions. Okay, so Maria via Instagram asks, what type of books do you read for pleasure? Do you have a favorite author? So Maria, this is probably not what you anticipated, but 100%, why do I always say 100%? all the time and forever. (laughs) The scriptures are my favorite books, hands down, every single morning. Um, And by this, I mean the Bible and also the Book of Mormon. So this is something that I adapted to on my mission. And um, and by that, I mean, that's when I learned to, to read from the scriptures every morning. And it has been a constant for me. Um, I'm pretty like, every single day about this. This is how I start my day. And when I don't start my day this way, the whole day just feels off. 
some years I for sure I have like a specific plan or I have um, you know a particular goal like sometimes I try to study one topic in depth back in 2016 I studied prayer for the whole year Um, sometimes a lot of times in the morning I just open up to a random page and I start reading and I will, before I do that, I'll, I'll say a prayer and I'll honestly just say, Heavenly Father, I really want to read something today that will be important or useful to me that will help me be, you know, in a, a mindset that I can do some good in the world. Um, and then I'm amazed so often that, that I'm led to read exactly what I need to read. So scriptures, hands down, my favorite of all, simply because I love that quiet time to ponder and kind of center myself. And then when I'm done reading, that's when I'll make a list for the day. But I can't believe how much I feel guided by this one ritual or one practice. It's awesome. Now, you probably want to know what other kind of books I read. So um, first of all, you should know that when I read at any other time of day, after first thing in the morning, I tend to fall asleep. I think that's because I move kind of fast and and that's my nature and I like it. But if I sit down just to relax, whether it's a magazine or, you know, the book that I'm currently reading, I usually end up dozing off and having a, a short nap, which I totally believe in. Um, but I will tell you that I read nonfiction for pleasure. Uh, weird, I know. <laughs> um, I love books by Seth Godin and Todd Henry. I'm currently awaiting a new book by John Acuff. Um, I just love thinkers that help me think differently um, and better. I also love historical biographies. I don't generally read them because I would never make it through a whole biography, but I read them, quote unquote, read them on Audible. I especially love um, learning about historical, you know, just figures. Um, My favorite, my hero in history is Abraham Lincoln, and I have listened to many, many books um, about Abraham Lincoln. Um, And then my favorite novel of all time is Pride and Prejudice. So yes, I have read a few novels. Um, So I guess Jane Austen has to be my most favorite author. Um, It was probably the first really big book that I read. And I've read a handful of her other books. I've also read um, kind of a shorter version of Les Mis, which I loved. So I guess I love classic stuff, except that a couple of years ago, I read and and in this case, I listened to the book called A Man Named Ufi. No, what's his name? Hold on. (laughs) Okay, see, I just left that blooper in there for you. Ufi. That's what we call our vacuum, our little automatic vacuum cleaner that vacuums while we sleep. My husband loves it. Um, I don't even know if that's how you say the company name, but we call him Ufi. The book I'm referring to is A Man Called Uva. That is such a good book. And I didn't read it. I listened to it. But, oh my goodness, a long answer, Maria. (laughs) In short, I am a nonfiction reader. And the book I am reading right now and highly recommend is called The Person You Mean to Be. How Good People Fight Bias, and it's by Dolly Chu, and I'm working my way slowly through it, but I love it. Um, I It's making me uncomfortable for sure at times, but that's exactly what I need so that I can learn what I desire to learn. So thank you for that great question.
Stacy. Um, I have a question for episode number 77. Um, I'm a big fan of yours. I appreciate what I've learned in 20 and 20 and photo freedom. Uh, I look forward to each of your podcasts. You are a talented and genuine and really fun person that I look up to. So my question is, how do you do it all? What do you do when you face overwhelm or burnout? And how do you keep your family as your first priority? Thank you for being vulnerable and willing to share with us. I just think you're great. Thanks so much. Bye. Okay, so that was a speak pipe message from Cindy Stephen. Might be Stefan. But Cindy, thank you. That is such a great question that I don't want to answer. <laughs> I um, First of all, I just want to apologize that somehow I've given you the impression that I do it all. I'm truly so sorry. I do like to be doing. I love life. I generally have a can-do attitude, but trust me when I say that overwhelmed is a familiar emotion for me. Um, less now that my children are grown, but still, it is a long-time friend, overwhelm, simply because I enjoy saying yes to life. So I have thought long and hard about maybe just a few things that I could share And I think the first one is I'm a pretty routine slash scheduled person. Um, I'm really rather predictable. So, for example, on Mondays, I do laundry. It's also my shopping and run errands day. Um, On Tuesdays and Wednesdays, those are my work days, and I work from home. Thursdays is a day that I allow myself to go much slower. It's also my husband's day off, so I try to schedule like creative activities or just be available for him if he has projects that that we can do together or I have projects (laughs) that I want to um, invite him to do with me. And then Friday is just kind of a catch-all day. I will schedule appointments on Mondays and Fridays. This schedule is flexible for sure, but here's an example. Um, So if I walk by the laundry room on a Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, I don't feel like I have to stop and do laundry because it's not my quote-unquote laundry day. I mean, if I feel like throwing in a load, fine, but I really just mostly close the laundry room door because I know I do laundry on Monday. Um... This means if I'm talking to, let's say, the receptionist at the orthodontist office and she tells me she has an appointment on Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Thursday, I generally say, oh, I'm so sorry that doesn't work for me. What else do you have? And then I'll sometimes say Mondays and Fridays work really well for my family. And when the signups for church or school come around, I am super happy to sign up on a Monday and a Friday and maybe a Thursday. But, but Tuesdays and Wednesdays are kind of my king's X day in terms of I want to be able to have time to move forward um, what I consider to be work-related projects. And I learned to do this out of necessity when I did work from home, but I worked for the magazine, Simple Scrapbooks, and then later for Big Picture Classes. And it's so interesting. I think we as women, we tend to prioritize other people, right? I knew I had to be available for this company or this organization that I worked for. And then I learned to schedule personal things 
you know, during other times in the week. And now, so that means that now when I really just work for myself and it's super flexible, but it's kind of not super flexible. Like I stick to enough of a schedule that I prioritize certain days and certain times during the day to focus on certain kinds of tasks. Does that make sense? The other thing that I totally love when it comes to just starting something or diving in and being productive is my kitchen timer, which is now on my phone, or which is, hey, Alexa, set a timer for 15 minutes, and then I just do whatever it is I don't really feel like doing. I just do it for 15 minutes. And then there's generally one of two things that happens. One, it's done because there's so much stuff that you can get done in 15 minutes, and two, I want to keep doing it because I have then created momentum and momentum creates more momentum and energy. And that's kind of just how it works for me. So I am a big, big, big believer in um, breaking down chores or other projects into 15 minute tasks. That just really works for me. And one more thought is that I do create deadlines for myself. That is also a holdover from working for other people, but I will create a deadline. And and sometimes I'm accountable to someone else and sometimes I'm just accountable to me and I will most likely miss that deadline. I believe I probably shared that before, (laughs) but I still get things done. And so I I asked my husband about this. I said, "Uh, I have to answer this question. (laughs) You know me better than anyone. What do you think? And he said, you know, I've seen you set deadlines and then just be hyper focused on getting something done. But then he added, and this was very kind of him, he said never to the exclusion of, you know, stopping to just have a conversation with someone or spend a little bit of time with, you know, with one of your kids. So I think he's right. I am particularly good at hyper-focusing and then also at ignoring <laughs> and, and generally not people, but ignoring other stuff like stopping to clean or stopping to put stuff away. I'm a really, really good pile maker. I can make piles that last for months at a time and they don't bother me until I decide that it's time to pick them up and then I pick them up. Um, I give myself permission. You know, while I'm making dinner, I try to keep the kitchen fairly clean. And then after dinner, I don't clean up. And, you know, it used to really bother me if someone else didn't clean up, but now it doesn't. Because if nobody feels like cleaning up, it's not a huge deal. I just do it in the morning. I know when I wake up, I'm going to have energy and I'll just be able to whip the kitchen and kind of the general living area into shape. And I do it once. I clean once in the morning and then I just kind of don't worry about it the rest of the day. And usually someone else does clean up, which is really nice. They rarely do it to my standards. and That's 100% okay, because I know that I'll just wake up and fix it in the morning. Now, let me say one more thing in case you're just a little younger than me, and you have maybe kids at home, especially teenagers. Another thing that I gave myself permission to ignore was their bedrooms. I mean, on occasion, I would go in and I would clean with them and teach them how to clean their bedroom or a bathroom. But then after that, I just closed the door. That's their space. That's their decision. If they want to live in a little bit of a pigsty mess, then I kind of respect that. And then every so often I'd say, okay, enough, you know, clean up your room today. <laughs> but I really just, I, I, there's a lot that I don't do. And I guess that's what I wanted to say to you is kind of pick and choose where you want to spend your time. I could spend all day long cleaning my house. And that's just not the thing that brings me the most joy. So I have a main area that I keep tidy and the rest of it I'm pretty loosey-goosey on. Okay, and then just one more thing. 
more in the area of prioritizing family. Dinner is a big deal to me. So I would say no to my kids when they'd be like, can I just run out and do such and such? Or I've got whatever it is. I mean, on occasion, there were sports practices, but I really tried to keep my family at home together during the dinner hour. And I am not a great cook, or I should say I certainly don't love cooking or food preparation, but I love sitting down around a table with all of my people. And just even if it's 15 minutes, 20 minutes, I love that. And I think that that's incredibly unifying. And it it just sends a message, you know, a daily message that that these these people around this table, that's what matters most. And you can always come back here. And you can know that you will be loved and you will, um, you'll be understood, or at least people will try to understand you. Okay, I lied. I have one more thought. (laughs) And that is that, you know what? Kids are people. And I know you know that. But um, I would very often take my kids into confidence with me and say, you know, I have a really busy day at work or I have a big project coming up or I just tell them what I'm working on because I think it's important that children see you have a passion for life and they know that you have things outside of them. They're, They're super important to you and your family is number one. But they know that you have other things that you like to do and that you're trying to do. And and I think when you let them know that, they're super willing to be on the same team. We we call ourselves often Team Julian and we work together. And you can kind of tell when mom's stressed out. And, you know, and kids, you can teach them to step up and to support you as you also support them. So, Cindy, thank you so much. I I hope that there's some ideas there that, that you can use or adapt and find helpful. Okay, next question from Blythe via Instagram. How do you recharge when life gets to be too much? I thought that was a good one to to share after Cindy's question. Um, And this is my fear that this episode is getting too long and I'm talking as fast as I possibly can. But Blythe, I love this question and here are my answers. Chocolate, nature, and naps. Pretty much in that order. (laughs) Okay, And also what I call weird cleaning. So let's back up. Chocolate. I really like dark chocolate. Um, And and I've learned to remove more and more of the sugar from it. So it's really dark and it's totally satisfying. And I give myself permission to have it really at any time of day after breakfast. (laughs) So if I just need a chocolate break, I give myself a chocolate break. And um, And it relaxes me and I think it's awesome. And I've decided never to feel guilty about it. Okay, number two is nature go outside, like literally get outside and breathe some air. I will do this first thing in the morning. I will do this right after I read scriptures some days. Um, I will do it definitely after dinner with my family quite often. But I'll go sit on the porch and eat my lunch. Just a little bit of fresh air, I think, is completely restorative. And I believe in it 100%. And then number three is naps. I absolutely believe in power naps. So kind of depending on the day, not so much on work days, but on those other days, I just give my pers- myself permission to lay down about 2.30 or 3 o'clock or 3.30 for 20 minutes or 30 minutes. I set a timer. I start out by reading. I quickly fall asleep. And then I wake up and fix myself a glass of ice water and my head is clear and I'm able to better see what I've already accomplished and what I still have that I want to be able to do. And it's just 
a, a reprieve. It's like lay flat and steal your mind and then get up and start again. I love naps. Okay. And then there's weird cleaning. <laughs> weird cleaning is defined as doing something that for sure needs to be done, but you really don't have time to do it. And you could absolutely ignore it for another six months and nobody is really going to even notice. That's weird cleaning. And I find that I quite often do this um, after I've had a really busy week or I've met a big deadline. Um, I don't know why, but it totally works for me. So for example, yesterday morning, I read my scriptures, made my list, had certain things that I wanted to get done, and then stopped to fold some some swimming towels and noticed how dirty the laundry room floor was. And so I got down on my hands and my knees and used one of those really great Dobby sponges. Uh, I think that's what they're called. I'll put a link in the show notes. And I scrubbed the laundry room floor. Like I made a huge difference to the laundry room floor, but no one in my house notices. And that's okay because I notice. And I don't know why, but I harvest all kinds of self-respect and energy. I think it just reconnects me to my domesticity, which I love. And it just makes me very, very happy. So it's actually sort of a backwards way of relaxing. And I do it with the toothpaste drawer, or I do it with the with a shower door, or I'll just open up one cupboard and take everything out and wipe it all down really good and, and put everything back. It's that kind of weird, unscheduled, completely doesn't make any kind of sense cleaning. Okay, two more questions, both related to favorite memories. This one is from Brindy. Um, via Instagram, she says, what is your favorite memory raising tiny boys? So for those of you who don't know, I have four sons and I do remember when they were tiny. And honestly, it's crawling into or onto my bed after church and reading from the fairy tale book that I had when I was a girl. And for some reason, I keep this book in my closet, like in my clothes closet up high on a shelf. And we used to, yeah, just get snuggled together and and read from that book and it has like classic art and it's just this old book that smells good and I love that and I loved just making rice skippy treats with my boys which is um, rice crispy treats only it has like carol syrup and peanut butter and then you push them down into molds and then you flip them out onto the counter and those those are just some of my happiest memories, you know, playing Play-Doh, making slime, driving around and just listening to classical music, you know, back when I was a young mom and I was going to teach my kids all these great things and they were going to be able to recognize classical music. And so we had a couple CDs that we listened to and creating costumes for them. You know, looking back, they were not very good. You guys, I'm so glad I didn't have Pinterest when I was a young mom because none of the costumes I made were even close to Pinterest worthy, but they were so fun and my kids didn't care and they put those costumes on and they became whatever it was. And I just love little boys' imaginations and their questions and their energy. I love all of it. And then at least once a day or several times a week, I would just pretty much yell at the top of my lungs, it is officially quiet time. <laughs> and then we just all sit down. I'd say you can play with a book or a toy, but everyone's going to be quiet for the next little while. And it was probably right before dinner that that most often happened. 
But, you know, I loved just getting my kids up on the kitchen counter and, and making cookies with them. And then I would say, I need a quality control expert. And then they would taste the cookie dough and make sure that it tasted, you know, that it tasted good. So I think, honestly, my happiest memories are just the everyday stuff at home. We think we want to create these experiences for kids and make sure they get to go and see and do and be involved with. And honestly, looking back, it is just the super simple times that I cherish the most. Final question is from my dear friend Izzy via Instagram. She said, what's your most precious memory? 100%, I say that a lot, 100% watching my kids interact, watching them be together. So it's similar to my last answer But I remember Trey, my middle son, used to lay on his back and put Addie on his stomach and then push with his feet, push her all around the kitchen floor, and he called it Trey Rides or some kind of rides. He basically was (laughs) sweeping the floor for me. He would get up and his t-shirt would be filthy, (laughs) but I didn't care. And it was so fun to just watch. And for a while... After we cut Addie's hair very short, she couldn't have been older than three and a half or four, she would come to me with a dish towel, a white, long, like, flour sack towel, and ask me to to pin it, uh, clip it on her head because she wanted long hair. And then she would run through the house with her dish towel flying behind her. And that was her long hair. And... And it's those kinds of things. It's group hugs with everybody together. It's sitting, finally sitting down at the end of the day on the couch to watch Netflix with my husband and eat dark chocolate. (laughs) That's, that's really, it doesn't get any better than that. No more questions. I just want to say thank you. If you've made it this far, we truly are very good friends. Thank you for listening. Thank you for submitting questions. Those of you that submitted questions, thank you so much. I think I would love to plan an episode um, about having fun in a family. So kind of along the lines of how do we prioritize family time? And I think we've learned to do that during COVID-19. I think we've learned all kinds of, we've either rediscovered or created new ways of being together in, in families and having fun. And I would love to hear your ideas. So send me a speak pipe message. That's my preference, of course, so I can play your beautiful voices. You can also email me, Stacy at StacyJulian.com or just send me a direct message on Instagram at StacyJulian.com. I'm going to be sending a story starter kit, of course, to Cindy for her speak pipe message this week. So let me hear from you because you too could get some happy mail from me. Hope you come back next week. I'm going to be here with another episode of Exactly Enough Time. Enough Time.